that freak Belgique. Get out, you naughty little kid. Look out, my guy, and look up your daughters, eh? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Jolly Boys podcast. It's been a while. Today, we are bringing you a very special episode. Unfortunately, the other guys can't be with us, but we are joined by Marnie, who is a fan of the show, who reached out via Twitter, and she is here to co-host. How's it going, Marnie? Yeah, good. Happy to be here. Lovely to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your love for the show. Yeah, well, um, I'm from Whitstable in Kent, which isn't that far from Margate. Um, But it was a long time until I realised that connection. I think I fell in love with the show when I was about nine. And in my brother's house, there was an old VHS tape um, with a Billy Connolly stand-up show on it. And the um, 1985 Christmas special to Hull and Back. I'm sure it wasn't the first episode I watched, but it was one I watched over and over again. And I just fell in love with it. And like most people now, Only Fools and Horses to me is just comfort comfort telly a comfort blanket um it's on in the background but I also sit down and watch it um always seeing something new and it's just um nostalgic and makes me feel happy and I hope to I'm hoping to leave this world when the time comes watching to Hull and back with a cream egg in my mouth that's the plan that's a good way to go and to Hull and back <laughs> isn't a bad episode to get started on actually it's probably one of my favorite <laughs> episodes but it's a controversial <laughs> episode because um, we talk about it quite a bit on the podcast and it seems to be not so much a fan favourite. Really? Yeah, it's quite surprising, but I tend to find the episodes that I like like the best are the ones that the general public fans like the least. Oh, oh, I'm intrigued. What yeah. don't people like about it? I don't know. I think it's um, perhaps maybe David Jason's a little bit out of character and the fact that it's all sort of shot out on location where it's not that familiar mm. to the fans. You know, you don't see much of the flat. Yeah, yeah. And the flat is different, feels different, very different, um, which is always a bit jarring to me. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one, but I really like mm. that episode. It's probably my second most watched episode other than the Jolly Boys outing. Oh, oh right. So you really do love that one. Yeah, I think everyone loves that one. It's definitely yes. a fan favourite from what we've experienced in the podcast in the past. Yeah, it's great. You must come down to Margate then. It's ridiculous. I'd, l- I'd love to come down to Margate. <laughs> we did actually plan a trip, me and the other boys, um, a few years ago. But for one thing or another, we didn't actually manage to make it down. But I believe you've been down to Margate and you've been to Dreamland and you've had your photograph taken with the falling chandelier. Yeah, that's right. I went to an Only Falls event. Um, gosh, quite. I think it was maybe four or five years ago now, and um, met John Chalice, lovely John Chalice and Sue Holdness, and they were, you know, had a photo in a setup of the flat, like so many fans will have done. And yeah, me and my brother um, have a picture of us, you know, pretending to catch the chandelier, which is is just great. But it's it's lovely, you know, going just down to Margate. Um, because there's lovely, um, as soon as you get off the train, there's lovely big paintings of um, uh, Rodney, Dell and Albert on the wall. And just last year on my birthday in September, my husband and I walked out onto that harbour arm where Dell and Rodney have the um, heart to heart. About yeah, that iconic marketing. location. Yeah, we, you know, we were sat out there last year in a sunny day having a drink, you know, wishing that Eels on Wheels had been a goer. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a lovely place and yeah, you must come, you'll love it. Has it changed and much from no, where they, where they shop? No, the scenic railway is still there, you know, in the montage where you see them, um, screaming on that little roller coaster. That's um, actually a listed building randomly for a roller coaster. So that will never go. Right. Um, the big wheel is still, still there. The Mary Rose. It's, if you went there, you would feel as a fan of that, the show and that episode in particular, everything would feel familiar and you would feel completely at home that's so cool i've got one question for you do they have the little boat um remote control boat which albert sunk in the episode is that still there <laughs> no, no, i can't i don't think the boat in lake if it ever was there is still there maybe it was maybe it was a prop specifically yeah. uh, constructed for that scene perhaps yeah i always think in that moment that when um i think it's um Mickey Pierce I really think he's laughing genuinely if it, whoever it is I really think they're laughing genuinely at that moment it's so funny yeah I agree well we've had some of the cast on the podcast and we mm. always talk to them about the, the Jolly Boys uh, outing and they said especially John when we spoke to John Chalice he said you know at the time of his life uh, shooting that episode it was just <laughs> such a lovely experience for all of them and it was just like a big beano and it really shows <laughs> It does. It does. Oh, and of course, um, whenever I drive down that way, I go past what was the pub where, you know, um, where the coach blows up. Um, it's now a, a house. I think it's a big house full of flats. That's but right. I'll, yeah, the halfway house. That's right. Well, you know, it's very, you know, I remember seeing the halfway house many times in my life. As I say, it's different now. But every time I drive past, I give a little nod to it. It's, yeah, it's lovely. It's all on my doorstep. It's so nice. That's right. Well, we have um, a fan of the show called Liz Kelly, who's joined us on the podcast previously. And she actually worked at that, that pub during the filming oh. of the Jolly Boys outing. And you may have seen some of her photos flying around online of, of her. I think she must have had a disposable camera and she was walking around getting candid photographs of the set in the cast. And there's some of the most amazing photographs that I've seen, you know, like real behind the scenes stuff that you don't tend to see a lot of. Oh, I'm going to seek those out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was, it was great. And Liz had some really interesting stories to tell us about um, her time there. But what an amazing opportunity, though, to hang around you know an episode with that many cast members in that's just amazing oh gosh yeah it was great those pics that's just really lovely how lucky for her and how nice that she shared it so have you been to a convention before Marnie just the one if I mean what's the definition it it was a convention there was memorabilia and and two of the actors and yeah yes I guess yeah well have you seen the news of the new convention that was just announced and i believe the tickets sold out in 10 minutes <gasps> no i missed that are you well, going listen, i'm not going actually because it kind of flew under my radar but it's the 40th anniversary convention mm. and it's a big mm. one because obviously it's the 40th anniversary but sir david jason is going to be there <gasps> he never goes oh that's thrilling how lovely for those people that have got tickets yeah um, I did. Th th I know the the guy who runs the only fours and horses bricks, where he makes all the scenes out of Lego, yes. and he messaged me saying he was lucky enough to to get a ticket. So oh. I'm super jealous. <laughs> Good for him. I'm sure he'll bring us a souvenir and some photos and something amazing made out of Lego at some point. Fingers crossed. I was actually <laughs> looking at the ticket prices because there's been lots of uproar about this because obviously only fours and horses is a working class comedy. Mm. But I believe the ticket prices were somewhere around two hundred and fifty pounds each, 
And I remember the last time David Jason did a signing, they were on a similar sort of price and lots of the fans put out were put out because they just couldn't afford to, to pay for the ticket prices. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of money, especially if you want to go with a group of family or friends. I mean, yeah. I guess it is a once in a lifetime opportunity, but like you say, it is very expensive. But I'm actually on the official website now looking at the, the tickets. So they offer five mm. different tiers of tickets mm. and all of them have all sold out, but the prices are all zeroed out. So I don't know what the original price is for any of the tickets were, which is a shame. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they'll release some more dates or do something for those that have missed out. It's a shame they can't get Nicholas Lyndhurst along. I know he's probably not in a good way after losing his son, tragically, uh-huh. uh, was it last year. But imagine getting David Jason and Nicholas Lyndhurst together at only Fours and Horses convention. <laughs> Maybe they're saving that for the 50th. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's just so, every time I think of Nicholas Lyndhurst, it's just heartbreaking to think of him, what him and his wife are going through. Bless him. Yeah, it must, it must have been awful, especially with the previous couple of years that everyone have had. It couldn't have been on e- couldn't have been easy on him. No, it's a life-changing incident to lose a child, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's absolutely devastating. But anyone out there who's listening to the podcast, who's lucky enough to get a ticket, let us know which ticket you, you, you bought and um, who you're most excited about meeting, presumably David Jason. I did meet him at a book signing. Um, did you? Yeah, very briefly, of course, because there was a queue of lots of people. Was it Woodstones? I, yes, in Piccadilly. Tell us all um, about that. Well, he, um, you know, I was obviously you're very aware that you don't want to take up too much time, but you can't help, or I couldn't help, you know, declaring undying adoration. And, yeah, you um, have to. It's David Jason, <laughs> get down on your knees, you. kiss his hand. <laughs> You have to take your moment. So I just said, I just blurted out something about, you know, I'm just so grateful for everything you've done. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, thank you for to Holland back. I just adore it. And then he was started telling me, and you might know this, Chris, he started telling me about how when they're in the middle of the, you know, the North Sea and he goes, oi, John, which way to Holland? It's over um, there. <laughs> Cheers, oh, pal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See Rodney, if you don't know the way. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, he was saying that, that at the time, that was one of the most expensive scenes the BBC had ever shot. Is that um, right? Yeah. Um, somebody will know the actual facts on that because, um, you know, I'm sure it's it's written down somewhere. Um, I guess it was expensive because they would have had to, you know, go out to an oil rig and, you know, with all the... That's crazy. I've never really yeah. thought about it that way because, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of the film Jaws and I know mm. lots of that was shot in a swimming pool <laughs> and it was yeah. it was made to look like you're in the middle of the, of the ocean. But I guess back then in being in England, you probably would have had to have gone to the oil rig rather than bringing the oil rig to you. Yeah, or CGI in an oil rig, as you would do now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure somebody will know the details on that. You know, was it the most expensive or the most complicated or the most risk assessed? There was something he said, and I'm ashamed to say that I can't remember, but I was, you know, dazzled, overwhelmed and, um, you know as everything you'd expect to be when you're face to face with David Jason. That's good to know. I'll definitely look into that and I'll post some information for the fans. I've got this thing about meeting people such as Sir David Jason, Mm. because I always feel I wouldn't necessarily be worthy of his time or he'd be interested in anything that I've got to say to him, because even if I had a whole year to write two sentences to prepare myself to say to him I'm sure he's heard it a million times before and my passion 
just wouldn't come across and it kind of feel almost like it's wasted yeah wasted opportunity but I think you know people like him who mean who know how much they mean to such a large you know body of fans I'm sure that they're used to people you know falling over their words or stuttering or you know just being overwhelmed and I think but probably at the end of the day or the end of those signing sessions they just feel they just feel the love at least I hope they do and the appreciation though I don't think the words matter it's just the fact that you've turned out yeah and you've you've yeah you're there with your with your love and your fanship so which book was it he signed was it my life yes it was yes and that's his autobiography yes have you managed to read it or is it in a desk display case somewhere <laughs> yeah, I read it. I read it straight away, and I really enjoyed it. It was quite a few years ago now, so I've got no comment to make. I mean, um, except obviously I enjoyed it and found it fascinating at the time. Yeah, so I've not actually read it. I own it, oh, but oh, I've not okay. actually. Sit- I started reading Buster Merrifield's autobiography um, back mm-hmm. in lockdown last year. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely heartbreaking. Oh, it's really really interesting. But he's um, Buster had a really sad life. But life took over, unfortunately, so I didn't get a chance to finish reading it. But it's definitely on my to-read list. Yeah, I would like to read it too. I yeah. actually I actually bought it for a penny on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And when I received it, it had been signed by him. No way! It was, yeah, it was incredible. It was a personalised um, signature. So I think it says, to David, stay lucky from Buster. But oh. the fact that I paid a penny for it and it was signed by him, it was incredible. That's amazing. Did you think of changing your name to David? Well, I could do. It'd make it more mm. special then, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it was for Sir David and he's, you know, chazzed it. Maybe. Maybe I've secretly <laughs> got David Jason's book. He's probably <laughs> on a on his posh gold stepladder now in his big library in his mansion looking, going crazy <laughs> for this autobiography by Buster Merrifield. And he's probably thinking, what on earth have I done with that? Oh, that's brilliant. I've gold got it. You're not having yes. it back, David. Well, the least you can do is read it then. I'd love to read it to him. We did try no, getting just... him on the podcast, actually, but he was too busy, mm-hmm. which is a shame. But I yeah. know he doesn't do that many public appearances. Yeah. But maybe one day. You never know. Well, so, the something more. what's your favourite episode of Only Fours Horses and why? Okay, so it, it is to Hull and back. Um, even though I appreciate what you're saying, some people don't you know like it as much because they love the ones in the flat and I do love the ones in the flat I, it's to Hull and back simply because I did watch it so many times as a kid I know it off by heart it's familiar to me I still there are so many moments that crack me up whether it's you know poor old Denzel losing his mind or you know Rodney and Dell um pooing themselves in the cafe in Sid's calf when Slater's you know um got yeah it's a great scene there. Yeah, um, but I, I just actually I've just remembered something. Um, Jeff Stevenson, um, the comic, um, he's still working today and very very busy. He plays. Um, he's a driver. He's um, Slater and um, Terry Hoskins' driver. He appears right. uh, twice. And around that time, when I was nine, I used to be a, a dancer and a singer, and I was. Um, in a pantomime, I was a juvenile performer in a pantomime, and Jeff Stevenson was Buttons. It was Cinderella. Cool. And I think that I'm just making the connection now that maybe that's why the episode meant so much to me at the time because every time I watched it, I would see Jeff 
Stevenson in it. But um, I just think it's got such a great narrative arc. You know, um, we go from, you know, we open in the pub, it's very familiar. And, you know, Dale is squeezing money out of Boise, Boise and Abdul. Um, and then at the end, you know, he chucks it all out the window and it's sort of... One of the most frustrating moments in Only Fools and Horses um, history, probably in television history. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rodney was Rodney acted fast to pick up that money. Um, at least they've got the little diamonds. Yeah, that's um, true. So it's one of the epi- one of the fewer episodes of Only Fools and Horses where the trotters come away with some sort of financial gain. Yeah, almost on top. Yeah. But, yeah I just love the whole thing. I love the ludicrousness of it. I love the... the scenes in the ship um when they're lost and you know the one about the um the glacier uh, you know follow the bear well where is he and he's up on the glacier and, and yeah. Just, Look, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes that is good I, I i vaguely remember reading about nicholas linhurst's seasickness was legitimate he really oh. struggled oh no the poor bugger yeah he looked yeah, like a blood donor who couldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> when delboy says um Here's your tea, Rodney. Sorry, I spilled it. <laughs> yes, it's brilliant. That is one of my favourite episodes. And it's quite a controversial episode, actually, for when we speak to the fans on the podcast. Yeah. That's not the f- episode that jumps out at them. So I'm mm. glad you share the same enthusiasm of that episode as me. Yeah, but to be fair, and you might be the same, Chris, every episode I watch, apart from a couple that leave me not as thrilled, every episode I watch could be my favourite in that moment, yeah. you know? Every you know, oh this one, oh this one, oh I'd forgotten about this one. I mean the groovy gang, you know, um, and the some yeah, the lucky ones. winner. That's what the unlucky winner is. Oh yeah, and the oh well, there's just so many, aren't there? I mean they're all just they're all gorgeous and heartwarming and amusing in their own way. Because you and I had an interesting conversation a couple of days ago, and we both came to the conclusion that we much prefer the earlier episodes of Only Fools and Horses. And I've said this from day one, especially Mm. on the podcast. I've mentioned to the fans that I really like series one to series series five. And I think Mm. after that, it kind of goes a little bit wobbly for me. Yeah, I think um, for me, what's... The, the funny thing is watching Dell and Rodney wheel and deal encumbered or otherwise by granddad and then Albert and that dynamic between the three of them and their motley crew of mates. It's not that, you know, oh, of course, you know, just thinking about um, down to, you know, the Jolly Boys outing. It's not that I'm not thrilled when he's reunited with um, Raquel and I'm really rooting for them to be together. Yeah. But I think for me, the power of, the sitcom the situation of them wheeling and dealing and you know getting it wrong and you know all the obstacles they face I think that's where the heart of the story is for me no I agree just happy watching them messing about in the flat rucking falling out and having a laugh and all the rest of it yeah I think that's what I like the dynamic did change a lot when the women were introduced and I think John Mm. Sullivan knew that was a risk a big risk Mm. actually Mm. but at the same time he knew it was time for Rodney and Del Boy to grow up yeah yeah there is so I mean I love Cassandra and Raquel there is you know and if it wasn't for Raquel you know they wouldn't have been millionaires you know her dad and the watch and everything but um I think you know I am I do love Cassandra and Raquel and they bring so much you know comedy 
you know humor but also emotion to it and depth to it so it's not that I don't watch those episodes I watch them and I love them but I think just for nostalgia it's the um it's it's the early ones for me yeah no I agree so today we're going to be talking about the episode homesick and I've not actually seen this one in a while but I've seen it about a million times before (laughs) a million so what do you think of this episode? Is this one of your favourites from the earlier series? And this is the first ep- episode of uh, series three. Yeah, I do. I absolutely love it because, yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. It's um, Del, Rodney and Grandad, you know, trying to get ahead, trying to get a night. You know, Rodney's obviously trying to get ahead in the first instance by joining um, the Tenants Association, trying to do something good, as Rodney often does. Obviously, got the magical classic trigger dave moment yeah um which is just total never gets old that scene um and then yeah the the whole story of them you know dell dell and granddad in cahoots um to get the flat although you know it's legitimate because granddad needs to be on the ground floor but you know and then you've got you know the very amusing banter when Dell's trying to impress Margaret and of course I don't know maybe that's one of the first times we hear him say to a woman who whatever her name is that it's you know his favorite name um there's so many little amusing moments the only thing I was thinking last time I watched it I'm not sure is it Dr Becker yep I'm not sure Dr. Becker, when he appears on screen, he doesn't seem to me to be the type of man to avail himself of the services of Rita Aldridge, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I I do know what you mean. And there's loads (laughs) of, um, on the episode analysis, there's all sorts of weird things about that because Dr. Becker is supposed to be the the family doctor, the ongoing family doctor. And when Delboy contacts him, he he says, I'm Del, but you won't know me. I'm a friend of your wife. Which is strange because if he was a family doctor, he would know who Dell was. Oh yes, yes, just a little, a little bump in the road, a little minor inconsistency that pops up. Yeah, it yeah, is strange. I yeah, right. Yeah, but, because yeah, and when he when Rodney first phones up, <laughs> Doctor Becker's like, "Oh, you know, how's you basically? How's you have my addict pie? Have <laughs> my addict pie? Yeah." And of course, we've got great scenes in the market. I mean, there's great scenes in the market into Hull and back. Um, but we've got great scenes in the market here with the oranges and the oranges become a theme. There's the flat is full of them. Rodney buys some for, does he buy them or does he just go in the other room and put some in a paper bag, do you think? No, and Rodney probably bought them. <laughs> I think that's a part of the gag, isn't it? They've got, a, the trotters have got an endless supply of oranges from Seville, apparently. And the only thing that Rodney can, uh, think of to bring granddad as a gift when he's apparently on his deathbed is oranges yeah and as we started saying you've got that great um scene where rodney's desperately trying to impress margaret and getting his racehorses mixed up with his um (laughs) i think that i think the episode's really telling in regards to the the dynamic of the trotters like you Mm -hmm. say with um granddad and dell in absolute cahoots and taking advantage of rodney's good nature yet rodney Mm -hmm. staying professional because he kind of wants to prove himself to dell you think he wants to prove himself to dell yeah because the whole point of him being a part of the um chairman of the of the association is um 
trigger sort of guilts him into saying, oh, this is what Dell oh, said about yeah. you. You know, it's about time that you stood on your own two feet and accepted some responsibility. Then Rodney was like, all right, then I will. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah. Well, let's, right. let's do the synopsis and we'll get the episode rolling and we can discuss okay. it. So okay. would you like to do the synopsis or shall I? Oh, decisions, decisions. You can, Chris. Okay, let's go for it. So homesick. Exhausted by broken lifts, Grandad, Grandad's taken to his bed on the doctor's advice. In Dell's persistence, Rodney uses his muscles as the newly appointed chairman of the Tenants Association to relocate the trotters to a ground floor flat. But all is too good to be true. Dun, you dun, don't dun. say. <laughs> Quite a uh, quantum synopsis, that. isn't it? It's like a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> Right, let's get the episode rolling. Are you good your end? Yeah, I am. So okay. what do we do? Play at the same time? Yeah, we'll give it a go. Okay. I don't think that's the first episode that starts with Del Boy looking at himself in the mirror, is it? <laughs> no, he's pretty fun of himself. Sivu play, Sivu play. So I love Rodney's suit in this scene. It almost fits him. Oh, he has some tragic suits, doesn't he? Oranges on the table. Yeah, it's a good introduction to the oranges. Because <laughs> we had this conversation, didn't we, about the flat analysis, about oh. how many things change in their flat on a daily basis, depending on what yeah. girls they pick up. Got some mops in this one and some pizzas. Pizza seems quite modern. Yeah, that's always the bad one. I'm writing out a list of questions I'm going to ask them later. Why are the lists are still out of action in our block? And of course, this is the scene where Del Boy makes the joke about the suspected rape. Or the sexual assault. Oh, yes. Yes. But I think the last time... I watched this. We were trying to work out if Dale was actually being serious or if we were saying it just for a joke. Oh, because, um, well, it's just that she's obviously a working girl, isn't she, Rita? And that's, Maybe it's true. Yeah, so it was, it, it was a transaction, but then when the cheque bounced, it became an assault. Is that right? I think or that's right. Read, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Dell says the punchline just as he leaves the flat. Oh, okay. See, this is what I'll just stop talking and start watching now. <laughs> no, you go for it. There's more oranges in the corner. I need and the the wallpaper. I want to pinpoint when the wallpaper changed to that kind of bamboo. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm not actually yeah, sure, well, but I'm sure there'll be some listener out there who will know exactly when it changes. Yeah, somebody will know. And the um, the cocktail bar by the window, that changes a few times. It does. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know the little white table in between the room to the hall and granddad's bedroom? Yep. I've actually got one of those. Have you? Yeah, I didn't realise. Um, one of my neighbours put it out for the bin and I loved it, took it in and cleaned it. And it's in our hall. And then I realised it's the same one. That's so cool. It's probably up. worth a small fortune. It probably is, yeah. So now we're entering the scene of, of Baz, the current chairman, smoking a cigarette and just constantly yeah. coughing. And Rodney just looks really bored and doesn't want to be there. <laughs> massive hall with loads of chairs set out and nobody showed up wonder why trigger comes apart from for the comedy value yeah well has del boy previously set him up to it does does del know that he's gonna be there and has he contacted trigger to say go on i've got this scheme up my sleeve go and speak to rodney and plant the seed wow you, chris you've got a devious mind because it had not occurred to me that this this plan went that far back in Del Boy's mind. Do you think it did? Well, he's cunning, isn't he? He's a very clever, shrewd businessman, so it really wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> but that is a good point, though. What, why else would Trigger be there? Yeah. Well, he works for the council, doesn't he? So perhaps he just likes to pop in. Or, or that. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the more intelligent answer, rather than my crazy theory. Well, who knows? Who knows? Somebody else might have another theory. Trigger, why do you call me Dave? My name's not Dave. Yeah, this is a great scene. And one that seems to be funny every time I watch it. Every time? You sure? You sure? I did read, actually, <laughs> that the reason why Nicholas Linhess was referred to as Dave is because Roger Lloyd Pack genuinely kept getting his name wrong when they first started working together. But I don't know how true that is, really, because Roger Lloyd Pack was a very intelligent human being. Yes, I read that and I did think it doesn't sit with the Roger Lloyd Pack. It sits well with Trigger, but not with Roger Lloyd Pack. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just a fan thing that someone made up. Yeah, and it's gathered, it's gathered momentum. That's a great line. You could be a live a long time. He died a fortnight ago, son. <laughs> this is all working out really well for everyone else, apart from Rodney. Yeah. Because Baz gets to resign. And goes off down the pub with Trig. Yeah. But I don't uh, want to be vice chairman. Seconded. Poor Rodney, buffeted by the winds of life as ever. There's some great camera work come up in a second. Okay. So here you go. I suppose Del Boy yeah. was right all along. What do you mean? There you go. He said you were too immature to accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. Was that what he said? Where do I sit, Baz? Rodney looks so awkward and gangly, yeah. doesn't he? He <laughs> must be so young during this. This was 1983. 1983. Yeah. I look, bless him. And his trousers too short. Baz resigns just like that. He shakes his hand and he's off down the pub with Trigger. <laughs> Puts his cigarette out and he's off. So this is what I like. Rodney is sat there in absolute amazement, knowing what on earth has just happened. It's all happened so quickly <laughs> for him. But then he realises all of a sudden that he's in this position of power. Yeah. And what does he do? Falls off his chair. Well, this is this is what I meant by the clever camera work. So the camera is ah. zoomed into him it's, really yeah. close. Yeah. So. 
So Baz and Trigger walk off. Then you see Rodney's thought process, thinking, actually, I'm, in, I'm onto a good thing here. And the camera's quite zoomed into him, mm. which shows him he, he could actually be a legitimate chairman. Then the camera zooms out. Then you kind of see that he's sat in front of an empty hall. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, he's like aware of his power all of a sudden, but there really is no power to be had. Exactly. And before giving him, before John Sullivan wanted to give him too much power, of course, he's a plonker and he leans back on his chair and falls off. <laughs> yeah, a brief moment. And oh. here we go. So we're down the market in Dallas yeah. trying to sell his oranges. And I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation with the other boys before, but you don't get to see Grandad out and about very often. Ah. And this is one of the scenes where that happens. Been down Safeways. Three oranges, 25p, Chris. What time to be alive. Well, how much is an orange these days? I can't remember the last time I bought an individual orange. No, no, not can I. I know three bananas is 39p. Good knowledge. Just the other day, I just thought, blimey, that's cheap. So Rodney's kind of got a bit full of himself with his power being the new associate chairman and he doesn't want to get his suit dirty by doing the market work. <laughs> Makes me think of that amazing moment um, when he gets a tomato juice on his suit. Um, That's brilliant. Similar sort of thing, isn't it? A play, yeah. a play on this scene almost, or maybe a homage to this scene. <laughs> or just Rodney wearing the wrong stuff at the wrong time. Probably that. So this is where we hear Miss Mackenzie. Oh, yeah. who's Miss Mackenzie? Presumably. The... Sorry, Sorry carry say... on. No, I was just going to say, look at Dale's vintage 80s body warmer. That was... That, that maroon uh, colour or that crimson yeah. colour is the definition of the 1980s. Yeah, I've still got one. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of um, Michael Jackson's Thriller jacket. I know it's a slightly different colour, but it's <laughs> the same sort of tone, isn't it? They're worlds apart, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, there's something very, very 80s about his body warmer. Yeah. Don't What's tell me, Rosalie. So here you go. Here's Grandad. So this is where the plan becomes comes to fruition. Yeah. It's pretty cool of Dell, though, isn't it? In all honesty, to make out that granddad's dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bless Leonard Pierce. He's such a such a great actor. So convincing, yeah. isn't he? As a real yeah. legitimate granddad. So hilarious. There are so many great granddad moments. You could almost like watch every episode and just watch one character each time and just enjoy. Yeah. Have you heard Leonard Pierce talk out of character? Oh no, is he terribly posh? Like he's very posh. Posh. Yeah. Amazing. Well, like Buster, Buster Merrifield is um, very posh as well. And there's a really famous video of him on um, YouTube. I think he's on Family Fortunes with Les Dennis, and uh, you get to see him talk and see what he's like just being himself, and it's an absolute transformation, which is a testament to everyone's acting on this. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Sue Holdness is the one that always surprises me. She's got such a lovely speaking voice. Oh, she's lovely, Sue. When she's Marlene, I mean, yeah, it's just... She's the complete opposite. Yeah, amazing, fabulous, grating voice. And I think that's why she enjoyed playing her so much, just because it's kind of like an escapism to play someone the complete polar opposite of you. 
Well, I heard her describe herself on your podcast and, you know, describe Marlene as tart with a heart. And I thought, yeah, that's it. And there is yeah. you know, that fondness. Yeah, she's lovely, Sue. One of the nicest human beings. So we're in the scene now where uh, Grandad is allegedly collapsed on the floor. And there's the scene of um, getting some whiskey. No, he's not been at this. <laughs> no, I, I met Paul until... him some. <laughs> until this point Del, Del's reaction I really didn't think I think right that this is genuine that Grandad has collapsed and it's from this point that Del Boy starts to cook a plan with Grandad because he's collapsed because I think Del's reaction to Grandad collapsing here is so genuine that's a good point if you're looking at it from that direction that's fully plausible he Grandad could actually have a problem with his legs and he might have had a yeah. legitimate fall but Del Boy is crafty I yeah. would suspect that he would have put the plan into action before. Right, okay. okay. But I don't know, it's a conspiracy, isn't it? Yeah, we should have a vote on it sometime, see who thinks what. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. But I've mm. always thought Del Boy mastered the plan from day one. From the off, from the off, right. I'll tell you why, actually, because he's quite yeah, sarcastic, what? isn't he? When um, Grandad's like, I want to be cremated. You have to wait. Yeah. They're not open till morning. <laughs> but, and he gives him a look as if to say, don't push it. Yeah, don't milk but, it. Yeah, don't milk it. That's yeah. it. But I think, but that's because I think they've had a, a chat on the quiet. But maybe I'm just not, maybe you're just more cynical and jaded than me, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. You can never put anything past Hellboy. <laughs> so Ronnie's on the phone to Dr. Becker. Oh, no, no, yeah. I've not had anything like that. <laughs> It's such a brilliant writing, isn't it? You couldn't make it's it up. So... In a situation like this, John yeah. Sullivan always managed to get a gag in there, even if yeah. it's irrelevant. It's just so yeah. funny. Just elbowing how much of a player that Dell is. And... Yeah, so good. It's... So yeah, Dell boy's bribing Dr. Becker. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes, you don't know me. Yeah, so he doesn't know him, which is weird because he's like I said to you before, he's yeah. supposedly the family doctor. Yeah, that helped him and um, Del Boy's mum get this flat. And I'm, I'm just going to pause it a second. Mm. So I'm going to pause it. I didn't pause it. I pause it now. So here's another really interesting thing that I picked up on. When Grandad gives the um, is it a hit, a hit flask he hands over to Rodney. And he said when? it's saved. Oh, I've never known what it is. Is it a tobacco tin or a lighter? Oh, yes, it's some sort, some sort of tin. But mm -hmm. he's he said that his granddad, I believe, had it yeah. when he was fighting over in Africa and it saved his life. That's right. But it didn't save his life because the bullet ricocheted in one of his nose. <laughs> but how did that, I don't know, the tin or the flask, whatever it is, how did it end back up? with granddad if this relative of his died in africa uh, well i you know when soldiers die their 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 mates gather up their stuff to take it home don't they for their Good family point. Um, oh, i didn't think of that all right forget what i just said <laughs> <laughs> so why is a valid question i'm sure other people have thought of it <laughs> i thought i was onto something then and you just shot me down <laughs> i think twice before i make any more um observations right i'm gonna hit play so they're making a big thing out of um, Grandad's hat here, yeah. which is very relevant on strange relations. Yes. And the vicar says, has anybody seen my hat? Oh, I know. I know. Bringing humour to a devastating situation. 
Yeah, it's just that hat is so iconic, isn't it, to Grandad? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the doctor says he needs lots of sleep and lots of fresh air. And Rodney looks up and says, maybe we can put his bed on the balcony. <laughs> that is so funny. Idea. Yeah. It's so good. Very tiny little balcony, though, isn't it? Only big enough for a Heathrow satellite dish. Well, you only, do you see it twice, don't you? On Sky's the Limit and uh, yeah. Hull and Back. Yes. I'm trying to think if there's any other episodes where you kind um, of see that balcony view. No. Do you know what floor they're on, Chris? Um, not exactly. Because for some reason, I think it's 27th floor, but then uh, one, uh, during the episode when Slater comes back for the reunion, I think Boise shouts down to Marlin that he's on his way. So be interested to know. I'm sure somebody knows. Yeah, I know they're up pretty high. They're 15 minutes from the ground. Yeah, apparently. So that must be the top <laughs> floor, the roof. <laughs> no, because it's Raquel. She says in 26 families above us or something. Anyway. Is that what she says? Yeah, when they're trying to get a mortgage on it, or they do get a mortgage on it. Oh, my God, he's just taken an orange out of his cigar tin, biscuit yeah, dog yeah. thing. The oranges are everywhere. They're completely <laughs> taken over the flat. When we go into Granddad's bedroom in a minute, there's one in the lampshade. That's right. So we're at the scene now where Dell's talking to Dr. Becker, but you can tell by Dell's body language before Dr. Becker even mentions about Rodney's new position, oh, Dell's yeah. looking very confident. Mm. Bless Rodney, he's so naive. You see, like, no, because no, now, now I can see Dell is having a think now. I think it's now that Dell hatches the plan. You think? Well, who knows? I do. I like it when he puts his arm around Rodney. He's like, "Good boy." In front, he's no, like, no "What? Sense. Nothing. Just good boy." In this scene, poor old Granddad Dell boy, you know, shoves an orange in his mouth. I mean, so drying all that citrus. <laughs> yeah, they wake him up. <laughs> so this is Dell boy manipulating Rodney. Yeah, and he comes with his bag of oranges. But even the way it's lit, it's quite a devastating scene, isn't it? It kind of mm. looks like this is going to be the episode where they say goodbye to Grandad. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, there's that orange in the lampshade. <laughs> I love that duvet Grandad's got, that lovely eider down. Are you an antiques collector by any chance? Well, I just like vintage stuff. So. This is why you love only Force Norses, isn't it? It's not for the it comedy, is. it's for the uh, <laughs> it's for the pieces you spot throughout. The piece, yeah, the pieces. <laughs> oh, poor Rodney. Yeah, he's put he's in between the rock and the hard place, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Years ago. And Leonard Pierce is probably just having a nice little relaxing sleep there. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. His brain went years ago. His legs are gone. It's only the middle bit of him left. Yeah, such a good line. No, that's no good. I 
It's, it's even funnier watching it and knowing the outcome. You know yeah. that he's fine and he's all just a crafty plan. Yeah. But Del does lose out because Del was onto a date with Margaret. So Del does get some punishment for his. Plan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame, really, because I think Margaret's a really good character and she's the type of woman that Del Boy's always wanted. And he was yeah. really, really close to having the opportunity to go out with her. Yeah. Yeah, she quite she quite fancies him, doesn't she? She quite fancies a bit of bit of rough. Yeah, and I think I think Dale's always wanted like a specific woman, hasn't it? Who's got a career. Yeah. Yes, yes. Someone like his mum. Exactly. Now let's see what Rodney's holding. Yeah, it looks like some sort of tin. I think it's a cigarette case. Yeah. Can you hear me all right, Chris? Because the dogs are having a bit of a play fight in the background. That's all right. No, I'm used to it. My <laughs> dogs are always barking during the podcasts. Oh, fine, fine. One great thing about Leonard Pierce's delivery, his stories are so incredibly sincere. Yes, yes. And John Sullivan played on that, and he always puts great gags in, like really cutting gags oh, right at the end. Yeah. Oh great! And of course, you've got the other speech from Grandad, which reminds me a lot of Quint's speech on Jaws about the SS Indianapolis. On the Russians are coming. All right. Oh yeah. Grandad talks about his time in the time in the war. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they promised us. Yeah, promised us heroes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think there's actually a punchline after that. It's no. just one of those like really hard hitting scenes. It is. And then Dale, I think Dale starts going on about how the current youth have been denied the birthright. Oh, no, that's what prompts Grandad to say that. Oh, I know. Rodney, Rodney lightens the mood by saying, I wouldn't wear a uniform on principle. principle that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, and you see, now I'm thinking that's my favorite episode. Well, the Russians so, are coming. The, the genius of it. That they end, you know, I mean, it's such a great idea. What a yeah, lots of people don't like that episode, but I guess it's really early on, wasn't it? So I think the, the series was in the actors and characters were still finding their feet with everything. I don't mind it at all. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, what could, well, it's just such a great um, situation to put your main characters in, building a nuclear fallout shelter and having to get to it. I don't know how that roof cope with all that weight though because we all know how heavy lead is it's just genius isn't it when the camera pans out at the end of the scene they're safe as houses but they built it on top of the uh nelson mandela house yeah again really clever camera work yeah. so when that went out the scene where ronnie stormed out because he's so upset and he's adamant that he wants to get granddad what he wants and what granddad deserves yes yes and dale's reassuring him you know it makes sense yeah. you're yeah, one of the family I mean, honestly, he was going to, you know, he was going to um, chuck him out of the family for not getting Grandad a new flat, or at least threaten him with it. Oh, the dog is zooming now. Your dog has got zoomies. Is that Juki? He's got zoomies. <laughs> right, so Dale Boy's come back into the flat from presumably a busy day at the market. There's fruit all over the floor, and he's got a suitcase, which is really heavy. So presumably he's not sold very much. He's found one of Rodney's penthouse magazines and he's holding it up in front of Miss <laughs> Mackenzie. So no. at this point, Miss Mackenzie... Who calls an old bag? 
No, she's not. She's not. It's not an older, older bag. No, that's she's... what he says. Though he says that that old bag from the cows will be here in a minute, and then she swans into view, looking the exact opposite. Typical trotter behaviour, isn't it? It's very similar to um, the episode with Miranda. Some mm. posh tart. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. She's the evil cow. She is. I really feel sorry for Dell in that episode. But yeah, Miss yeah. Mackenzie is a very attractive young woman, and yeah, Dell's. Dale's got his um, Baileys and Cherry Aid with his little um, umbrella and a cocktail glass. Tea, coffee, pina colada. In straight away, Rodney's clock, what's going on? Dale's trying to get her arm, his arm around her already. Yeah. This annoys me here because Rodney says that a choreographer is a teacher of dance and a choreographer is not a teacher of dance. A choreographer is someone who creates dances. Is that right? I didn't know yeah. that. I always thought Rodney yeah. was right. No, I mean, he's righter than Del Boy. Yeah, but they're both wrong. <laughs> but they're both wrong. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting fact. I'll never yeah. watch that scene the same way again. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> And Dale Boy's trying to lure this uh, this potential love interest in by showing how sophisticated he is with his um, exotic drinks. <laughs> no matter how skint they are, there's always money for cocktail umbrellas. What about that for Jinsky? Bless Dale, he's trying to make out as a bit of a culture vulture, but um, oh. sadly he isn't in Rodney's Dale on the other side of him to pick him up on his mistakes. Yeah, and how many times have we seen this over the years? So many. Dell trying to sprawl and Rodney knocking him back. It's a bit like um that episode T for three. Remind me. With the hang gliding incident <laughs> and um <laughs> Trigger's niece. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lisa and Andy. Yeah. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> So it's all going too swimmingly, isn't it? It's all going far too well. I guess we should have known something was going to happen at the end of this episode because it doesn't yeah. end well, does it? I mean, how different would it be if they lived in a lovely bungalow? It would just lose all its power, wouldn't it? The whole story. Yeah, things would be very different. Yeah. And they almost get away with it as well. Almost get away with it. If it weren't for those pesky kids. I don't know why Grandad gets up and comes to the door with a cigar hanging out his mouth. He's celebrating, isn't he? Yeah. He's crafty, but he's not too bright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, my goodness. There's so much fruit in this flat. My old man said, follow the van. Don't dearly dally all the way. Off went the van with me own packed in it. I followed on with me old cock in it. I you know the song better I've than me. Those, I hope I've got those lyrics right. I'm sure you have. If I haven't, someone will tell me. I'm sure. I could look them up. I didn't actually know the song until I saw this episode. I had to Google it oh, and find out what it was all about. Really? No. Oh, well, my family's originally from London and I used to do old time music hall, so it's a familiar, familiar one to me. So you know all what the Cockley slang? I do, it was, I, if I don't know it, it's, it's rare. But the one I, that I oh, go on, sorry. 
No, no, I was just going to say, I find all the Cockney rhyming slang in, um, yeah, really fascinating. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The one that I always forget is when he says, my old April, April shower. I can never get that one. I have to look it up every time. I thought it was April Heart. It is. No. Oh, I'll have to look it up and remind myself. And what reference he uses it in, or context, rather. So it's all been sorted now. Miss Mackenzie has yes. left with all the appropriate paperwork and they've passed the test and yeah. he was good about himself. He's confident that he's managed to do something for the family. We move in next week. Yay, we move in next week. <laughs> so, yeah, so Grandad and Della doing a little dance in the house. Yeah. In Rodney's look on his face of disappointment, knowing that he's been completely <sighs> stitched up and manipulated by his own family. Stitched up like a kipper. Feeling a little bit better, are we, Grandad? <laughs> <laughs> He's such a sweet actor, isn't he? He's just like yeah. so innocent and vulnerable, oh, isn't he, Leonard Pierce? Oh, I thought you meant Rodney. Well, they both are, but I don't know. Yeah. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Grandad. I don't. I don't know yeah. what it is about him. It's just. It's... Well, he's just such a proper granddad, isn't he? He is, isn't he? I don't know how they've got it so right. It's really difficult to sort of put down on paper about what makes him so lovable, but mm. he just is. The recipe is perfect. Yeah. Him and his three tellies. Okay, Dale never has a shortage of cigars, does he? Now, I know cigars aren't cheap. No, they're not. Gold knows where he gets them from. So now Rodney's decided to probably just to keep quiet. In yeah. his, his secret is probably best kept kept quiet for the benefit of the family. Yeah. And it would be a great benefit to the family. Yeah, it'd be incredible. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh, hello, Margaret. Only my manners. That was a great impression. <laughs> We should just not do the book, not 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 watch the episode and just read the script, read the script in like terrible accents. I think that'd be quite funny. Yeah, but people you're pulling my leg. <laughs> yeah, she's quite a little mint, Margaret, because then she starts saying with a knowing look, "I mustn't have too much to drink; it goes straight to my head." Dad looks really pleased with that, doesn't he? He's yeah. like perfect. Happy it's gonna days. be a cheap date for him. Yeah, he wants to go out. I love the yeah. way he sticks his head through the door and it's shot from the other way. Don't put the chub on. <laughs> Don't put the chub on. <laughs> Why is that so funny? QPR rules written on the wall outside there. So oh, granddad is just bursting through the door with a cigar. God. And devastation is taking effect. I th the thing I notice about Grandad um, is that so many people call Del Boy Del Boy, but he calls him Del Boy. Yeah. My, which I think is sweet because that is how people how people have said it, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a clever Boy. little thing you picked up on there. Oh, I believed me. I really want Roddy to explain there and say, "Look, it wasn't my fault." Well, he, he did say, I believe me, didn't he? Yeah. So, but whether or not Miss Mackenzie believes that. Yeah. That is absolutely gutting situation. I know. And again, Dell's got the nerve to shout out to Margaret and ask her the salon for that drink. <laughs> it's a great way to end the episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Down, but not out. <laughs> 
ever persistent Del Boy. That is yeah, ah. fantastic writing by John Sullivan. Again, it's just it's just a master masterpiece, isn't it? So, what would you give that episode out of ten? Oh, now I've heard you doing this on the podcast, and I just want to give them all ten out of ten. But I suppose I've got to be sensible and useful, so I'm going to say we won't hold it against you. Neither will the okay. listeners. If you want to give it okay. a two, you give it a two. <gasps> As if um, there's only one I give a two to. Just be honest. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an 8.9, Chris. 8.9, that's quite specific. Yeah, well, that's what it's, you know, just in case, you know, you'll get asked to come back and need, you know, I need plenty of wiggle room. So I'm going to give it an 8.9. I, I, I think you're being generous with your 8.9, but I'll, oh, I'll accept you? it. Yeah. Well, what do you give it then? I give it an honest drum roll 7.5. Oh, that's quite meaty. What would yeah. make it better then? Um, less scenes in the flat. I don't know. I guess it's it's quite a negative episode, isn't it? Until you realise what's going on. When you watch it the second time, it's fine. But it's um, yeah. I don't know. It's difficult to describe from well, you episodes. Mean sad for Rodney. Yeah, it's just quite sad for everyone, isn't it? The fact that they might be losing their granddad, but in fact, it's just a big, a big con, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's robust. I mean, we see him flinging himself around. The... Yeah, I never really thought he was. Did I? I suppose I would have done the first time I saw it when I saw him on the floor. I must have thought something was seriously wrong. How old were you in 83? <clears throat> Without putting eight. you on the spot too much and testing eight. your maths. I was eight. You were eight. Okay. I can't remember yeah. how old I was when I first started watching Only Fours and Horses. You weren't born in 83, were you? No, I wasn't. No, I certainly wasn't watching <laughs> it then. <laughs> So does your family watch Only Fools and Horses? Yeah, I think, yeah, everybody does. I mean, my I'm from Whitstable in Kent, as I said, but my um, family are on my mum's side originally from Fulham in London. So obviously that's West London. But, yeah. you know, just that, you know, there was, you know, people wore donkey jackets and we knew wide mouth frogs. And, you know, I, some of the characters feel familiar to me in the settings. And yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Because it seems these sort of Cockney characters are dying breed. There isn't very many people out there anymore who speak like that. Oh, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah, perhaps you're right. I don't know. I suppose if you went around some of the markets and things, you'd, you'd come across lots of characters all the same. But yeah, do you mean Cockney itself, you know, as in rhyming slang? Oh, well, I ju- well, I just mean like a stereotypical Londoner, because I think the language in the way we speak and the way we present ourselves is changing so much and it evolves. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And different communities bring in different languages and different ways of being and speaking. So, yeah. Yeah. I, d- I honestly don't know the answer, but I'm sure I'm sure somebody will be able to tell us where you can go these days to find Del Boy or, you know, his kind. <laughs> I'd love to have a conversation with uh, like a proper Londoner, just hear loads of their amazing stories, especially somebody what's on the market. Yeah, yeah. Well, careful what you wish for, Chris. You might be deluged. Maybe. Well, um, Alan Sugar, didn't he start off on a market stall? Who? Sir Alan Sugar. Oh, did he? I think so. I could be wrong, but I get, I get the impression he's a bit of a Del Boy. Yeah, yeah. Or was, but he actually he reached really, the top. Yeah, who actually did become a millionaire then and then some. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That would have been um not that I heartily approve of only falls going on, you know, ad infinitum, but imagine if Del Boy had become like the new you know, could have become the new presenter of the apprentice. That would have been amusing. Chatting that would have been amusing. 
chatting up all the birds and muffling in on all their deals. And I would have hated it though. Yeah, we would have hated it. We, I think the, the nation loved watching the two brothers struggle, and that's what was yeah. so endearing and why people were fascinated by watching it. Agreed. Agreed. So, oh, Marnie, on. have mm. you seen the Only Force Norse musical? I haven't, and I, I know you have. Um, my brother just saw it last week. Okay. I'm always in two minds about seeing things I love um, in different contexts. So I love Dirty Dancing, but I won't go and see the musical of that. I okay. don't watch David Jason. So David Jason, I don't watch him in anything else. He is just Del Boy to me. Okay. I don't I don't like seeing Jennifer Aniston in anything other than Friends. I'm quite Yeah, rigid. I know what you mean. I'm a bit um, like that myself. And I don't want to come away from, I mean, I I saw the snowman ballet recently in London and it nearly ruined the snowman for me. So I don't want almost. Um, I don't want to, I don't want it to ruin only falls for me, but people love it. So should I should I suck it up and go? Well, I wouldn't want to be the person responsible for ruining your passion for only falls and horses, but I was skeptical about mm-hmm. it when I went to see it because I'm very similar to I've got a very similar mindset to, to you. Mm-hmm. But Tom who um, normally does this podcast had seen it previously Hmm. and he suggested that I went out with him to watch it again for a second time Mm -hmm. and I was I was blown away it was so so good and if you look at it well don't necessarily disconnect it from many force and horses but if you look at it from like the perspective of a homage okay that's what it is and they do it extremely well the Music was written, was co-written actually by Paul Whitehouse and mm. Chaz Hodges. Okay. And the, the script was written by Paul and uh, Jim Sullivan. Oh, okay. So there's lots of um, original unofficial affiliates which have, yeah. w- which has worked on it. So um, I definitely suggest going to watch it. You will not be disappointed, but just bear in mind, you are going to watch a musical and you're not there to watch a one-to-one recreation of Only Force and Horses. Yeah, that's good advice. I've only got till May, haven't I? It's closing in May. I don't so, know. Yeah, I don't know why I could have that wrong, but I feel like it was extended until May and I should should get my skates on. Yeah, that's the way it goes. A lot of these West End productions are only there for a certain amount of time, aren't they? Then they yeah. tend to tend to move on. Yeah, something else comes into the theatre. Maybe it'll go on tour, though, if it's very successful. I'd love for it to go on tour, but judging by the set that they have, it might be quite difficult to move around place to place, but I could be wrong. I'm sure these theatre productions have moved greater sets than this one. Yeah, Miss Saigon, that was a helicopter. That went on tour. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely recommend going. To, definitely recommend going to see it. But bear in mind, um, there are certain days where certain actors have time off. So yeah. if you do want to go and see Paul Whitehouse play Grandad, it probably be worth researching. Hmm. Yeah, perhaps I will. Although I always feel disrespectful to the understudies if I do that. But you know, Paul. You know, Paul Whitehouse has created the role, hasn't he? So yeah. Yeah, I'll look into it, and I will let you know if I muster the courage yeah do it we'd love we'd love to know your opinion on it and hopefully it doesn't kill your passion for any horse and horses <laughs> that would be tragic wouldn't it yeah it would be tragic but yeah <laughs> we had a really really good time yeah i'll go and watch it as a celebration of only horse and horses yeah do it do it, mm. do it while you still can okay well it was really nice having you on the podcast money oh thank you for having me you've got a great taste in only horse and horses especially with your episodes 
Thank you. So do you. Thank you. And um, on that note, we will say bonjour. Bonjour. Thanks for coming on. Hey!